The Apostle Paul was caught up to the third heaven. In the body or out of the body? He heard things, but he couldn't say anything. What's going on here? My name is Mark Bricker, and that's what we'll talk about on this episode of Beyond the Notes. The title of the sermon this past Sunday was Paul's Resume. And we looked at Paul's heritage, we looked at his suffering, we looked at his weakness, and we also looked at his vision. But it was that last part of Paul's resume that, well, we really didn't spend much time on. And I even alluded to, obviously, in the sermon that we would be looking at that section just a little bit closer today. So the section of the text uh, that we didn't have a chance to look at too much is chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to read the text, and then we're going to kind of walk through and uh, take a closer look uh, at the text that we didn't have a chance to on Sunday. So here we we begin in verse 1. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So you can sense right off the bat Paul's reticence and hesitance and even sharing this story, but he was compelled to share this. Why? As I mentioned on Sunday, it was almost a certainty that these so-called super apostles had already been boasting about their own revelations of the Lord, their own visions that they had had. And so they were saying that because they had these visions and revelations of the Lord, they were claiming their own apostleship. And Paul's like, all right, I don't want to go down this road, but all right, I must. There, Even though there's nothing to be gained by it. And, and I referred to this as Paul's modest boasting because you notice what he said. He said, I know a man in the Lord. Well, it's very obvious, pretty clear that he is talking about himself. And by doing this, it's just a, a kind of a modest way of boasting that, yeah, this is me that I'm about ready to tell you this incident happened to. Now, Paul also gives us another clue. He says it happened 14 years ago, which gives us the date of around 42 AD, when Paul would have been either in Tarsus or in Antioch before his first missionary journey. Now, I'll come back to that in a moment, but I shared in our sermon on Sunday, I believe one of the reasons why Paul received this particular vision, this revelation, was it was something for him and him alone in the fact that this would have been something that would have helped sustain him during his most epic assignment from the Lord that would involve, as we talked about Sunday, all kinds of hardship and persecution and imprisonment and beating and suffering and ridicule, all the things that Paul went through. This would have been something that early on in his ministry would have sustained him through the long haul. But let's look at this. There's three elements in this vision that we see in these just these few verses. First of all, we see that Paul was caught up to the third heaven. And he says a little bit later, he refers to it as paradise. But, but what does he mean caught up? Well, the Greek phrase here is the term for moving something from one place to the other 
without the help of the object being moved. In other words, kind of like if uh, on my lanai, one of the lawn pieces of furniture back there, maybe one of the chairs during a windstorm gets moved from one side of the lanai all the way over to the other. We'd say it got caught up in the wind. Did the lawn chair force the move? No, it was the wind. And this is what Paul's saying. He was completely passive in what happened. He just got caught up in this. He ended up being translated to another place, and he had nothing to do with it. But he says that he was caught up to the third heaven. And that term, third heaven, can be a little confusing, right? Because it's a term that we don't use a lot. But biblical cosmology views the heavens often as a threefold. Now, there are some places that refer to it as a sevenfold, but oftentimes it's threefold. The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second heaven would represent the stars or outer space. And that third heaven would be the abode of God. And when Paul also uses the word paradise, it really kind of cinches the deal that he's talking about being in the presence of God, heaven. So that's that first part, being caught up in the third heaven. The second thing is he uses this phrase in body or out of body. And he, and he repeats it twice. And he, and he adds this that, well, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body, but but God knows. And he says it twice as if he really wanted to emphasize this. And so what's he talking about here? Well, he's he's not sure exactly. Not only did he have nothing to do with going from where he was to, to where he ended up in this third heaven, but he also wasn't sure how it exactly, whether he was in his body or he was out of his body. He was separated from his physical body when this took place. Again, I think Paul admits it doesn't really matter because God knows, and that's really all that matters. But it's just interesting that he brings that up twice. And then at the very end in verse four, he talks about the fact that he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So whatever Paul heard, and maybe he even saw things as well, he doesn't say, but whatever he heard in this vision, he could not repeat it to others. Now, contrary to those super apostles there in Corinth, those false apostles, such phenomena did not authenticate their ministry. I can't even talk today. Uh, it didn't authenticate their ministry. And as I mentioned on Sunday, this vision again was for Paul and for Paul alone. And even what he heard, he was not going to say, even if it was possible for him to say it, he was saying, nope, I will not say a word. And, and, other, and basically by Paul not repeating what he heard is saying, this is not even proof of my own apostleship. This was something the Lord gave me, but this in and of itself, what, what I heard, I, I, I'm not going to say, it's not going to be a benefit to anybody else. It was only for me. And this is the opposite of a popular new church movement's view known as the New Apostolic Reformation. And I thought I would take just a moment to talk about this because when you start talking about visions and revelations of the Lord, uh, there's a lot of different groups that like to kind of jump in on this and make this a major part of their own uh, interpretation of scripture as well as their own doctrine. And so we need to be on guard because I'm going to, I'm going to read to you a little bit about this, this movement called the new apostolic reformation. And it's a very dangerous movement and it's a pretty prevalent, more prevalent than probably most of us would realize. So what is the new apostolic reformation? Well, I'm going to read some of this. I want to make sure I get it correctly. 
Correct. It is an unbiblical religious movement that emphasizes experience over scripture. Let me just stop there. That's just comma after that. We're going to keep going. But that should be red flag number one. Any any group that claims to be Christian that says they ex, they emphasize experience over scripture, red flag, right? Because we know that scripture trumps everything. It goes on. Mysticism over doctrine. Again, another red flag. And they would emphasize modern day apostles, and I'll put the apostles in quotes, over the plain text of the Bible. So some real concerns right out of the gate here with some with a group of, of claiming to be Christians that emphasize experience, mysticism, and modern day apostles over scripture and doctrine. Goes on, of particular distinction in the new apostolic reformation are the role and power of spiritual leaders. Now we're going to come back and talk specifically about what those spiritual or who those spiritual leaders are, how they define them. But it goes on and says this, spiritual leaders and the reception of new revelations from God. There again, a huge, huge red flag. When, and we talked about this briefly Sunday, that anytime anybody says, I have a, a vision from the Lord, I have a new word from the Lord, the red flags need to be going off in our mind. So how do these folks get their, quote, new revelations from God? And this is where it comes back to those spiritual leaders. It comes from the churches prophets and apostles. The apostles are seen as the highest of all spiritual leaders in the church being specially empowered by God. And the prophets in the in the New Apostolic Reformation are almost always as important are almost as important as the apostles. So it's apostles and then right underneath the apostles are the prophets. <clears throat> Now, again, if you want to do your own research, you can do a little more looking into the New Apostolic Reformation. We don't have time to give a complete background on this, but I want to kind of focus in on this idea of, of new revelation because this is this ties in a lot with what we were just looking at where Paul had this vision, but he did not say a word uh, that he heard in that vision or revelation. Now, these prophets have been empowered to receive, in the New Apostolic Reformation, have been empowered to receive new revelations from God that will aid the church in establishing dominion. According to the NAR, and that's New Apostolic Reformation, the abbreviation, only prophets and occasionally apostles can, attain, can obtain new revelation. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers cannot. The prophet's new revelation are crucial to overcoming the world, and the success of the church depends on the apostles following through on the information that prophets provide. So you see, the prophets get the new revelation, and the apostles are the one ones that take that new information and carry it out as the leaders of the church. Now, if all of this seems a little bit crazy to you, good. It should seem crazy, but unfortunately, there are thousands of churches that are being influenced by the New Apostolic Revel, uh, Reformation, and there are millions of believers who now adhere to their teaching. Many of the names of some of the leaders would be familiar to you, and 
here's the deal. They are not a, you can't look up and go, well, hey, let me look up the new apostolic reformation denomination or there, they are, there's no alliance where they have come all come together. In fact, many won't even acknowledge the name new apostolic reformation. So it's very loosely connected. However, it's interesting how they have coalesced around some of these key teachings in so many churches today here in America. Now, I say all of this for us as Christians just to be on guard, to be on guard against those who will try to distort the truth of God's word and or to add to the truth of God's word. The New Apostolic Reformation is guilty on both points, both distorting and adding. And by the way, they have uh, their own translation of the Bible. It's called the Passion Translation, and uh, they are quite quite loose with this translation and getting it to say some things they want it to say and adding quite a bit. I think it ended up being about 50% longer than a regular Bible, but, uh, and it's technically not even a translation, but that's what they are calling it. And they are promoting the passion translation. Uh, so again, be careful if you see that. Now, remember, just bottom line here, there are no new revelations from God period. We are blessed with the whole counsel of God through his word as we have it. And this is the word that God speaks through, right? And we prioritize here at McGregor, the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's why we also encourage every believer to be in the word of God themselves, to be reading it regularly, consistently. And so with that, I'll close with this simple little challenge Make sure you're spending time daily in God's word, reading it, meditating on it, studying it, memorizing it, talking about it. Just spend time in the word of God. One of the best ways to be a discerning Christian in a world where there's a lot of false teaching out there, just like there was in Paul's day, there still is a lot of false teaching, is to know what the word of God says. Well, this wraps up another episode of Beyond the Notes. Join us next week as we continue in our study of 2 Corinthians.